0: going on, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Klee Talk presented by sports.com I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man?
1: Not much, man. I got my steps in the last four days, walking around Indianapolis at Gen Con, playing a ton of board games, buying a ton of board games, and I think we averaged about 20,000 steps per day, according to my friends iWatch, so... Wow. I am all exercised up and ready to go for the rest of the week.
0: That's 10 miles a day.
1: I know, man. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's probably more than I've walked the entire year leading up to it. So,
0: yeah. That's not well, true. Though, but. <laughs> Glad you had so. fun. Glad you're back. Um, and we do have an announcement to make on the podcast. We are hanging it up. This is going to be the last Episode of Klee Talk. Um, Chris, it's been almost well over three and a half years. We're, we're coming up to four years uh, of doing these episodes. Um, it hasn't always been called Cleat Talk, but um, me and you have been talking sports and mostly our favorite hometown sports um, for a long time. It's been a blast, but it is now time to uh, explore some other opportunities and, and um, do some other things, but Chris, it, it's been a blast, and I'm, I'm glad to be here doing one final episode with you.
1: Yeah, man, it's been a fun three and a half years or so. And uh, just some stats we've this is our 184th episode, 121st Clee Talk. As you guys, our hardcore fans remember us as what are you talking about, and Clee Talk was kind of like a monthly special, but. Uh, then we made it Clee Talk full time for our second season and it's been that way ever since. So uh thanks everyone for listening. It's been a lot of fun. We're not done yet though, Bob. We still have one more podcast left. So we're we're gonna yep. we're gonna kill
0: it just like normal. <laughs> uh just like normal, yeah. Um we are gonna do it a little bit differently. Usually we end with the news, but we're gonna start with the news and then we'll go into some um more interesting fun topics to start but Chris um big news coming out of the Cleveland Cavaliers camp about a week and a half ago uh Kevin Love re-upping for a four-year uh extension um Chris you know most pundits thought that the Cavs were headed towards a rebuild and Kevin Love was the big piece that would net them a lot of draft picks and and, and prospects to to uh reboot Uh, to jumpstart that rebuild but um you know we got this sense that there may have been an urge from kobe altman and dan gilbert not to totally strip it down and and they re-upped their all-star uh power forward for four more years what what are you what are your thoughts of kevin love now that he's going to be back uh in a Cavs uniform for the foreseeable future
1: for at least the next six months because that's (laughs) when they can uh, they can't trade him until January, so he does not have a no-trade clause, so let's let's pull the brakes on, on it not being a rebuild just yet, but certainly signing him to a four-year extension is a very good sign. Uh, this is a very smart move by the Cavs. For one, I'm taking the under on whether or not he plays that whole contract with Cleveland. It's it's so funny that the one guy who has been involved in every trade rumor since he's gotten here is the one guy who has shown the most desire to be here and and and, and still people don't believe him. But but this time I'm skeptical for a number of reasons because I think the Cavs are about to find out what no man's land is like. Good enough to get there, but not good enough to do anything. And I think that's what the Cavs will be this year with Kevin Love as their centerpiece at best. So I'm not 100% sure that Kevin Love won't be traded because now, without any team options and without a no-trade clause, Kevin Love becomes a much more attractive trade piece than just a couple-month rental. So... I'm not totally convinced that the Cavs aren't trading Kevin Love, but I certainly think this is a good sign that the Cavs at least will be watchable until January, and I actually do not think Kevin Love will be traded this season. I think the Cavs are making a push for the playoffs, 5-8 through seed, of course, not championship, playoffs. There's a big difference, as we know, in the NBA. Um... Because I don't think the Cavs believe they will be bad enough to finish in the top 10. I think the Cavs believe that they are not bad enough to get involved in tankapalooza and don't want a chance tanking this season only to lose out on a high draft pick to Atlanta because Atlanta gets their pick if it's 11 through 30. So I think the Cavs are going for the playoffs this year because they've already traded the first round pick to get that out of the way. And then in the offseason with Kevin Love... Future secure, they will have more suitors for him because uh, he won't simply be a rental. So I I do think that that's their master plan. I think Kevin Love will play this whole year, but I'm not so sure he's going to play that entire contract.
0: Yeah, I I probably agree with you, Um, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, the Cavs inked Kevin Love with the intention that to signal to everyone, hey, we we're going for it. We're gonna make a push for the postseason this year. And I think that's that's admirable, especially considering how embarrassing the Cavs were the first time LeBron left. I I, I totally understand why Dan Gilbert and the front office want to show the NBA world that, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers can be le- moderately successful without LeBron James in in, in uniform and they w- certainly were not that the first time he left I think by inking Kevin Love and just with the general roster that they have they they do have a chance to to make it uh in the bottom half of a of a poor Eastern Conference um but Chris I I, I agree with you 100%. I don't see un- unless the Cavs you know everything bounces in their favor over the next couple of years, you know, Colin Sexton you know is russell westbrook in year two and uh the, the they don't they keep their draft pick or you know, they, they find a way to get another rookie next year and all of a sudden they, they are a team to beat in the eastern conference i don't think the Cavs are going to keep kevin love for this entire contract and i think that part of part of the reason they were so eager to get this deal done is that it, it there's less urgency to move kevin love at this point and i think that puts more leverage in cleveland's favor now there are probably some teams that don't want a 30 year old on a 120 million dollar four-year deal um, that does have some injury issues uh, over his career but i I do think that it'll be it gives the Cavs more time to get the deal that they want for kevin love um, when they're ready to do a full rebuild and uh, in the meantime they have an all-star power forward somebody who probably wouldn't normally come to Cleveland given their current prospects. So, I think it's refreshing. I, it's going to be a I don't want to say exciting, but it'll be you could turn on a Cavs game in January and not be uh ashamed and disgusted about what's on the court. Like the Cavs are actually going to put out a uh, a respectable product this season and, and that um I didn't expect when when LeBron left for LA. So I, I, I'm excited in that aspect. And I'm also just excited because it's Kevin Love. And for four years, he has gotten a, a ridiculous amount and an unfair amount of criticism and blame for how the four seasons with LeBron have gone. And given the choice, you know, Kyrie Irving asked out given the choice LeBron James left and signed for LA instead of uh, staying home. But Kevin Love over that course uh, of the LeBron James years, he he resigned with Cleveland twice and and that feels really good. Um, It feels really good coming from Kevin Love. Um, And I'm just happy that he's on the team, but yeah, I don't think he's going to, to finish the entire, that the deal. I agree with you on that piece.
1: Yeah. One last quick point. The, the other door is this, Colin Sexton wins Rookie of the Year. Now the Cavs have two out of three. And let's not forget, going into this offseason, some of their bad contracts become expiring contracts in 2020. Don't underestimate the ability of the Cavs to give a team a ton of salary cap room or salary relief and throw in some draft picks if, say, a guy like, I don't know, this year's DeMar DeRozan-Kawhi Leonard deal comes available to get them that third part. So it it could go the other way. I could be wrong, but I, I like the move because it get because as you said, Bob, it gives the Cavs options.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, that's it's good that Cleveland ha- the Cavs had a positive uh, some positive news in the summer where LeBron James left. So I'm I'm happy for the Cavs. Um, Chris, let's turn to the Indians real quick. Uh, the trade deadline is over, and the Indians. Uh, you and I both expected them to make a deal for a position player that would somehow trigger an upgrade in the outfield. And it did just that, obtaining 30-year-old center fielder Leonis Martin from the tr- Detroit Tigers uh, in exchange for Cleveland Indians shortstop Will Castro. Uh, Chris, does this move the needle for you? Is it exactly what the, ca- the Indians needed, or were you expecting something a little bit more substantial?
1: Well, first, I was not expecting something a little more substantial. This was the exact kind of move I did expect from them along the lines of Brandon Geyer. No Uh, Bryce Harper. No Bryce Harper, Bob. I wasn't drinking that Kool-Aid, though. It would have been fantastic if they got him for cheap, obviously at the right price. Who wouldn't have taken Bryce Harper? But talking about Shane Bieber and someone even said Mike Clevenger, that's a little bit too steep for a three-month rental because the Indians are not paying him. 200 million dollars let alone 400 million dollars so kiss that one goodbye yes leonius martin uh, easily the best pure center fielder on the roster helps their outfield defense and bob everyone was uh, mad about his bat he debuts with home runs in his first two games so clearly the indians uh upgraded their outfield um, at least defensively now no knock on Rajay Davis but he's more of a corner guy even though he has the speed martin's a natural center fielder um I, look this isn't going to move the needle but it's definitely going to add depth to to their weakest position and I've been on the I've been saying for a while the Indians don't need that move they they didn't need to make that move the one they did earlier in the bullpen that was the move they needed to make that was the headliner this is is just retooling some things and adding some depth. I think they're fine without going after a guy like Machado or Bryce Harper or something like that. That that, that, that would have been a luxury that the Indians just couldn't have afforded.
0: Yeah. First on Bryce Harper, um, he's having a, a poor season, a, a disappointing season, and to ask for the, the names that were being thrown out in, in, uh, in exchange for Bryce Harper were, were – acting like you're getting the mvp caliber season that, uh, of bryce harper that we saw a few years ago but he, he's not having the best of seasons right now so I, i'm much happier that they get, went out and addressed the position in need in, in the outfield with a pure center fielder leonis martin a guy that you know isn't known for uh hitting all too well but he's probably having one of the better offensive seasons of his career heading into free agency uh for him so he probably has some stuff to prove. It's a deal that makes sense for the Indians, a deal that we've seen them make many times before Brandon guy, like you said, is probably the most uh, obvious one and that the Indians have made waiver deals in, in the past two seasons, Coco crisp and Jay Bruce, both outfielders tightened after the trade deadline, but before the waiver uh, before the waiver deadline. So I, I don't think the Indians are done. I, I imagine another position player may be added to this group uh, via via waivers. Um, but for, for the time being, I, I think it's just what the Indians needed um, to shore up their outfield in the short term.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and Bob, you alluded to it. The waiver deadline has not passed. They got Jay Bruce for nothing at the waivers. That was a great deal last year. Certainly helped them down the stretch. And Bob, because of their slow start, they will not only get the guys that they want, they get first dibs at blocking all the other American League contenders from getting guys on waivers so Indians are in a very good position I don't necessarily think they're done dealing yet Bob I do think they are will pull off a waiver deal but they've done enough they're in position they're going to win the central they, they they're giving themselves as good a chance as they possibly can get it's not going to be easy but they've got a shot
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I actually like, you know, they made a smaller deal that day too for a AAA prospect. Kind of weird that uh, there's a deadline deal for an exchange of of prospects on both sides with the Cardinals. They obtained Oscar Mercado from uh, St. Louis. Um, He's going to be playing in AAA for a little bit, but uh, they dealt two lower tier uh, outfielders for him. And uh, by all accounts, he's got the bat. He's got the speed. So I, I think that the Indians are getting ready um, either to pr- promote him late in the season or they're looking at 2019 that you know outfield is just a, a rotating mess uh, of bodies out there and with Brantley hitting free agency um, th- they're going to need to address that position uh, not just short term but long term I, I like that deal
1: yeah I mean you got Chisholm, Naquin, and Zimmer all on the DL uh, It's it's been rough from an injury standpoint but hey I mean teams are going to get hurt and and at least the Indians you know these guys that are getting hurt it's it's not crushing them they're they're their core players knocking on wood are still all relatively healthy
0: yes and that is uh good very good <laughs> to hear um all right well Chris um last piece of news and and this is um in the college football world earth shattering at that or. Er, you're, here, you're feeling tremors at this point. Out, Urban Meyer uh, being placed on leave of absence uh, from Ohio State football as Ohio State investigates uh, his involvement in, or not involvement, but his uh, delay in in firing an assistant coach, Zach Smith, um, who has been with him for for over three years. Um, Zach Smith, uh, obviously being investigated for domestic violence, and has. A history of alleged domestic violence so urban meyer kind of getting in the cross, in the crossfire of that and um you know when the story first broke uh urban meyer may have not been as truthful as desired that may be contributing to him being on the leave of absence but chris um how big a deal is this for Ohio state football as we are just a, a month away for, for, from kickoff
1: huge I mean, urban Meyer is one of the three best coaches in college football and he may no longer be with the program anymore. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And obviously we're just talking from a football standpoint here. Um, you know, what Zach Smith did or or allegedly did, I think it's the evidence is pretty bad against him. Um, it, it, it would, nobody, nobody condones that, especially not on this podcast. Um, and looking at it from a football standpoint, it doesn't look good for Urban Meyer either because you know, if it's true that he knew about this back in 2015 and this coach was allowed to stay on staff for for this long, that that that's that's a major problem um anytime, but in particularly uh, this day and age with with all these domestic violence crimes excuse me, let me re-say that with more light being shed on domestic violence crimes in the last, you know, four or five years since Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, and and all these other domestic violence crimes that have been brought to life, uh, th- this is it has an even more serious issue than it was before. And, and not to say that it wasn't a serious issue before, but Bob, I mean, you you look at the world of sports before 2014. Domestic violence was not taken very seriously at all. And sadly, in this day and age, it still really isn't taken as seriously as it should be. So, yes, this, this is a terrible situation for Urban Meyer, a terrible situation for Ohio State. And um, the, 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 the fact of the matter is uh, there's a very good chance that Ohio State will be looking for a new coach uh, beyond 2018
0: yeah I mean it, it's kind of amazing and th- there are a lot of things to unpack um, for, for me the, the the biggest is like I'm urban Meyer has to be a, a smart aware person um and, and in this current climate you know he he had that reputation of the people he kept around him in his program at Florida and I think it was a lot has changed since then there's been a lot more on lifting up the hood and looking at what's what's inside these programs and, and the skeletons in there um it's shocking to me that in 2018 a head coach of one of the five most prestigious football programs in, in the nation um would carry that baggage around with him and, and let uh, an assistant coach endanger the program like that it's also shocking that urban meyer has not learned the lesson that Tons of head coaches have learned before him that the lie is worse than the crime. And if Urban Meyer had just been truthful uh, the first time he was asked about the, these allegations, I don't think he'd be on a leave of absence right now. I think he would be under a lot of fire, but uh, and a lot of scrutiny. But I, I do think it's it goes back to the lie. Just made it 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 compounded the issue, and there, you know, our alleged text matches messages that, that disprove what urban meyer originally said and that's you know that show that he had been lying so i i don't think it looks good for urban meyer as well chris prediction time do you think urban meyer will be ohio state's football coach in the 2018 season
1: i don't think he should be but i do think he will survive this and i know i i Look, my gut says he's probably gonna be gone, but I just had this nagging feeling that somehow he's gonna he's gonna make it make it through. I, I again I, I don't condone any of this. I'm just telling you what I think. And I do think somehow he's gonna at least coach for one more year.
0: Yeah, I I think the reason why you think that is th- this does feel a little bit different than these previous investigations. You know, placing Meyer on a leave of absence while Ohio State investigates that's a little bit different than the momentum of a coach getting caught in the line, then, you know, he's forced to resign, uh, at the end of the week. Um, so I, I do think there's hope for urban Meyer to, and, and I'm not saying that I personally am hoping for him, but the hope for himself to still be Ohio state's football coach, uh, in September, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, um, the precedent of prior coaches and the fact that the, stigma of domestic violence as you have alluded to in around football in, over the past four years uh, I don't think it looks good for urban meyer I, I do think that uh, he will still be uh, a coveted coach in the future um, but I, I do think he will not be Ohio State's head coach in 2018.
1: yeah I mean if if urban Meyer gets to coach after this jim trestle is going to be a very mad man. I mean, he lied about tattoos. Let's just be real here. I know it was an NCAA violation. It was $5,000 worth of tattoos that he lied about. And Ir- if Urban Meyer gets the coach after this. I think Jim Tressel. he'll, he'll, he's, he'll never say it publicly. Cause you know, he's a very soft spoken guy, but inside he's gotta be raging inside. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous.
0: Oh yeah, for sure i mean he could i, I think i think jim trestle like if he wanted to he could be a head coach right now i mean he's not banned from oh, NCAA. oh definitely
1: but he loves being uh he's president of Youngstown state he, he's yeah. moved up man yeah, he's I moving he, on up man
0: yeah i think he um you know that was he kind of saw the uh that as like a sign to to switch careers and, and pursue something a little bit different um I do think if urban Meyer wanted to still be a head coach at a different school, I think there are lots of schools that would be willing to hire urban Meyer and his baggage because he wins. And that's probably the why we're both unsure of whether or not he's going to be back as a head coach. It's, I mean, he's a dang good head football coach and has had lots of success with Ohio state. Um, Winning gets you a lot of leeway. Yeah. I mean, that's the one constant in sports. Winning cures everything,
1: and I know in this case it's it's messed up, but it may happen again. I I I don't know. I, I again, as I said before, our Bob and I, this podcast does not condone what's happened, but when you look at the reality, coaches have survived worse than this, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he continues to coach Ohio State.
0: Well if urban meyer leaves um what what's the what's the prospect for ohio state um in, in 2018 and, and in the, their short-term future
1: well this is this is an interesting question because the the trans this is a transition year for ohio state so you're transitioning a team the last thing you want to do is transition a coach as well you know ideally you want to transition a team that's loaded to another coach um this this is not a good time to be switching coaches because there 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 are some question marks on this Ohio State team. Uh, I, I still think with Urban Meyer at the helm, they're they're the favorites to win the Big Ten. But and they're still loaded with talent. It's just they've they've got some seasoning to do. They've lost some key contributors over the last couple of, or mainly last season. Um, but but at the end of the day, Ohio State is one of the best programs in the nation, best football programs in the nation. You know. Yeah, 2018 would definitely be rockier if Urban Meyer was not at the helm, but Ohio State will attract a big name or a top assistant somewhere. There's there's no doubt in my mind that Ohio State will continue to survive definitely and and probably thrive as a football program. Maybe not be the dominant power it is, might go back to winning 8-9 games a year, but I mean, it, it only it, it doesn't take much to get a program like Ohio State back that prominence
0: yeah and that that kind of i i I agree a hundred percent i mean ohio state is a job that is the envy of just about every head coach out there they could get any talent that they want um and that's probably the most frustrating thing is that you know you have a guy that you know should he be your head coach i mean you could replace him with lots of people but urban meyer is is might be the best head coach in college football so um it, it frustrates me that there's such hesitance just because of the winning but um the, the program ohio state will, will be fine i don't if urban meyer isn't head coach in in the fall of this season ohio state isn't going to the college football playoff it, it's going to be like you said a full rebuilding season for them and and it'll be a little bit rough but you know in two or three years time if they replace him uh, i i don't think ohio state is going to go into the bottom half of the big 10 i think they will still be a dominant power i mean michigan michigan state may penn state may um you know close the gap a little bit but ohio state has was good before urban meyer arrived they're good um prior to jim trussell as well They they there will always be an envious program and a program that attracts a high amount of talent, um, I I think they'll be just fine uh, in the short term. But 2018 will probably be a lost season if, if Meyer isn't there.
1: Yeah, man, you talk to some people, you act like the days before Jim Trestle were just dark times for the Buckeyes. Ooh, they didn't win a national championship, but they were ranked number one multiple times throughout the 90s. And, 98 they were very much in contention for a national championship so it's not like you know Jim Trestle took some nowhere nowhere program and turned them into a superpower Ohio State's been great since the 1950s and even before that so like the program it it would take a lot like just, just 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 a rich Rodriguez coach coming in and screwing up a good thing to mess up Ohio State that that's what it would take because the The football program is as close to a well-run machine as you're going to get. I mean, it, it will survive if Urban Meyer's gone, but 2018 certainly would be a little rockier than I think most Ohio fan, State fans would want. Well,
0: uh, we're going to transition now, and, and you know we started with Ohio State a little bit there. Um, with this being the final episode, uh, we're going to go through our our, our favorite cleveland teams and and look at their uh prospects on on winning their next championship and and determine who who is the most likely uh to do so um and we agreed off air that we were going to start with the one that we are probably most aligned on and that would be the cleveland cavaliers and their prospects of, of winning another title um chris obviously uh that got a lot harder when lebron james left this summer to sign and play with the Los Angeles Lakers got uh, Harder the summer before that when Kyrie Irving was traded away to Boston Celtics. So um, we, we talked about the good with the Cavs and, and re-signing Kevin Love, but um, how, When when will the Cavs win their next title and what are the odds that they are? Uh, the first that the next Cleveland team uh, to win a championship the odds
1: are zero And I don't think they're ever going to win another championship. I think 2016 was it. They've reached the pinnacle. It was a great ride, a great parade, a wonderful story. And this team is destined to be one of the other 26 for ever. I mean, guys, look at the history of the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James. It's awful. I mean, there was a a little bit of a bright spot for five years when Mark Price and Danny Ferry... Those 80s Cavs, Hot Rod Williams were, were all on the team. But that, that's about it. I mean, th- this, this franchise is, is not one of the stalwarts of the NBA. It's not an attractive free agent destination. Just think about all it took for the Cavs to win the championship. One of the three best players in the history of the NBA had to be born in Northeast Ohio. The Cavs had to get the number one draft pick the year he came out of for the draft. I mean that right there is just astronomical odds, and then you look at the winning four, three out of four number one picks to to assemble the big three. I mean, all of that had to happen, and and just 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 I I'm not a math major, Bob, but but I'm sure the odds are astronomical, uh, and and that was just one championship. I I don't see them ever winning again. I don't think the Cavs are going to win another championship. You know, never say never. Maybe, maybe they can do what Oklahoma City almost did, and what Golden State did, and, and some of these other teams like Boston are kind of doing, gaming the draft and hitting on their picks. Yeah, sure. But if I'm playing the odds, I, I, I'm, I'm betting against the Cavs. I'm sorry, I, I don't think that they will ever win another championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will give them a one percent chance, just because it, you know, the anything can happen, and they do have a team <laughs> that yep, can play. The NBA and, could
1: could retract to five teams. and
0: Yeah, and they could be one of the five left for whatever reason. Um But, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's going to be rough. It's going to be um, a, a very long time before the Cavs are as exciting as they were in the past four seasons. Um Chris, you, you talked about the times where the Cavs have not had LeBron in their history, and I would say it's been Brownsian. I mean, they – they, uh, though the Ted Stippian Cavs make these
1: Browns look like the current New England Patriots. Uh, uh,
0: I don't. I mean, yeah, they give them run for their money for sure. Um, it, it's not been good, and I don't think it's going to get better. Yeah, you, know, you refer to the Warriors. Everyone wants to do what the Warriors did and, and draft four legitimate all-stars and mvp and have the cap space to sign kevin durant nobody is not trying to do that maybe the sacramento kings are um, but <laughs> but it, it, you just there's a reason why it only happened one time and maybe the boston celtics are are doing that and working on that but um they had the benefit of trading away two iterations of stars to to get all the amass all these draft picks, um, and it, it's it's taken years upon years of building those draft assets. I think the way the Celtics have done it, um, and the way the Warriors have done it, now everyone's trying to do it those ways. It's not going to be as easy to do so. I think the Cavs would have to innovate their off their front office would have to be on the forefront of, of a new way of getting in all this young talent, and I just don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers are. An innovative franchise Um, and combine that with the fact that I haven't seen a big time free agent want to come here with LeBron James playing 11 seasons Um, I find it very unlikely that they'll want to come when he's not on the team so um, those two factors I I just don't see the Cavs really having much of a shot of winning a title uh, at any given point Uh, that they'll have to hit on three consecutive years of NBA drafts Um, and we saw in the four years without LeBron they had three number one picks and first round multiple first round draft picks and they really got they got a a legitimate all-star a good role player uh, a a starter that they traded away for Kevin Love and everybody else was just about trash so I I don't give them a lot of credit or hope uh, for their future. Deion Waiters has reinvented his career.
1: I did not like him in Cleveland, but but he has he's, he's carved out somewhat of a career. But I, I would agree with you, Bob. He's not a cornerstone player. Um, yeah. No. I mean, you, you, the other other team that comes to mind is the Thunder. They drafted three MVPs, but didn't win a championship because they made a stupid trade, uh, trading James Harden, obviously. But yeah, it's it's, it's exceptionally hard to do. That I mean, the Sixers have tried to do it the last couple years. They're they're starting to see some fruits, but given all that they tanked, it's it's a little underwhelming to this point. um, The the results that they have had. The other team that gives me hope, Bob, is the 2004 Detroit Pistons, because that is the only team that I can think of that won the championship without a true superstar. You know, Ben Wallace was a, a defensive player of the year, Chauncey Billups really good but none of those guys were like top I don't know, I mean I, I wouldn't consider them, any of them superstars so maybe the Cavs can do something like that I, I don't know what the future is going to hold but I'm pretty confident the Cavs won't be holding uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy ever again
0: Yeah, I mean I think it, any, they they certainly can build a team like the Detroit Pistons but I think that's harder to do than just striking lightning in a bottle, getting number one pick, and drafting the next LeBron James. You know, and that's what the Cavs did twice. They drafted LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, and that was how they got to their NBA Finals and how they won it. Uh, to to build a team like the Detroit Pistons, that takes a lot of uh, a lot of forecasting, a, a, a lot of. Um, good trades a lot of value signings um uh, not making a lot of mistakes not making a lot of dumb mistakes and i I just i don't think the Cavs are gonna ever be able to to build a team like that i think they would have to just somewhat luckily fall upon some superstars in the draft
1: yeah i mean i I think that like the warriors i mean that that's how the warriors built their team the highest draft pick was steph curry at seven overall clay thompson was 11 and draymond green was a second round pick so you know thunder all three of those picks weren't number one overall they were all top five though but you know the warriors did not hit on their lottery picks they they had a little bit of luck that some a lot of teams passed on some really good players
0: yeah for sure all right well chris uh, I, i'll guess i'll ask you who um do you have as the second who do you have in the middle i guess um Uh, chances of of winning the title and we can discuss uh, their prospects
1: well by default it has to be the browns we're talking about three teams i mean i'm giving the Cavs zero i look this sounds ridiculous because the browns were one in 31 over the last two seasons and have been awful since 1999 we all know the numbers but let's just say them again two winning seasons 110 win season one playoff appearance that is pretty terrible Most of those seasons, double-digit losses. So, the Browns for 20 years have been awful. Just awful. It has been a terrible two decades. You want to know who else was basically awful for 20 years? The New England Patriots. They're the gold standard in the NFL. You want to know what the San Francisco 49ers were before Joe Montana? Awful. There have been a lot of awful franchises in the NFL that have suddenly become powerhouses because they get the right quarterback and coach it is a lot easier to build in the NFL the NFL is the easiest league to build in because there's a hard cap there's short careers and the draft truly does you know reward the worst teams with some you know a lot of picks so the point is the browns can are not limited by market size or superstars They actually can, if they get the right people running the organization, control their own destiny and build a team. It's the levelest playing field. So I do think the Browns, if we're talking long-term, big picture here, we're not talking 2018, we're talking big picture here, yes, they absolutely have a shot to win a Super Bowl. And I think eventually, statistically... If you give enough chances on a level playing field, they will at least have a shot at winning a championship in my lifetime.
0: Yeah. I, I, so when, when you don't consider who we're talking about, like let's not talk about the Browns for a second. Let's just talk about a rebu- rebuilding NFL team. I mean, the, the NFL of the three sports that we're talking about is probably the most level and, and equal of, of the three. They have a hard salary cap. They don't have a draft lottery. It's easy to rebuild through the draft. It's easy to attract players to wherever in free agency just because of scheme and the non guaranteed contracts. It's easy to, to lure somebody with, with some guaranteed money to play in your less desirable city. Um, and if you look at NFL rebuilds, I mean, most teams are able to do it in three years. Uh, if, they, if they draft well in two years and, and sign the right guys, they can go from one of the worst teams in the league to, to one of the best and, and a Super Bowl contender. I mean, John Dorsey came from the, the 2 and 14 Kansas City Chiefs that then won 11 games in the next season. It, it can be done, and it happens a lot. So that gives me a lot of hope and faith for the Cleveland Browns. I know that they uh, disprove everything that I just said because they've been in a rebuild for 18 years. Um, 20. But, 20 years now, <laughs> um, but... You know, Any given three years, they, they could finally pull themselves up out of the muck and, and be a legitimate contender, and we might be on the cusp of uh, probably the, their best shot in, in a very long time to do so um, heading into the 2018 season. So, yeah, I, I think the Browns certainly can win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, and I do think it's a lot more likely that they would do so uh, before the Cleveland Cavaliers do just because of the league and the, the 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 nature of the league that they play in that actually promotes parity better than MLB or NBA so i i do think the browns can do it and i think they 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 will do it i'm not sure if this john dorsey era are the browns to do so but um, every 3 years there there's there's hope that the browns can do it so um, yes I, I do think that They they are they have a much better shot of doing so than the Cavs.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that this is the 20th year. I'm rounding up. I'm counting this as the 20th year for. Let's just be real about. They're still rebuilding this year. I don't expect any any delusions of grandeur. But but you're right. I I, I'm not. Look, John Dorsey and his the players he's brought in. They haven't taken the field just yet. I've got an open mind because you said it best. John Dorsey knows what it's like. He inherited the number one overall pick, a 2-14 team, and that team won 11 games next year. He traded for a quarterback this year that is basically an Alex Smith clone, the guy he got in Kansas City. Now, granted, Kansas City was a little more loaded talent-wise than Cleveland is right now, but Cleveland does have some young, desirable talent and, and a couple guys who are looking like they could be playmakers. So I do think the Browns will, big picture, yes, they have... A great chance at winning a Super Bowl just because of the level playing field compared to the NBA and the MLB. Cleveland is is cornered in some things that they cannot control. They have to, they they have they're hindered by by market size and other circumstances. In the NFL, that does not exist. And so I think that that overall, actually, if we if we're if we're ignoring the fact that the Indians, who we'll talk to in a minute, are currently in a championship window. If all things are even, the Browns always will have the best shot at winning a championship just because the other two teams are handicapped by market circumstances.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and um, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I, I do think long-term that the Browns are probably the most likely to, to win a championship that over these other two teams. And I, I think you know we're, we're probably going to transition into the Indians in a second. You know i think if the indians don't win the world series in the next three years i I, th- I think the browns are definitely the most likely cleveland sports team to to win a title just because of the league that they play in and, and the nature uh, of the market and the revenue shares that the nfl has um, I, I think that they would be able to do it i disagree with one of your statements and agree with another you'll find out which
1: when we transition to the indians bob and i think that should segue us there
0: yeah i mean two two seasons ago uh we're one win away from from winning the world series um and they had a fantastic 2017 season and look set to to win their third straight american league central pennant uh this year uh chris what what are the odds that the the indians are the first team to to cleveland team to to win the next title and what's their long-term outlook
1: Well, the odds have to be the best of the three because they are easily, in the next three years, the most likely to do it. And I think they will. I don't know if they'll do it this year, but I think by 2021, the Cleveland Indians will win a World Series. This team has a lot of very special talent, both on the offensive side and on the pitching side. I've not seen this combination before. You know, In the 90s, it was all hitting. In 2007, it was too much pitching. They they finally have both. And I and I think, look, yeah, there, there's going to be some bullpen churn over the next few years, but they've set themselves up with a great window. The Central is trending down. Every team in the Central is trending down, at least until 2020, unless something crazy happens. This is Cleveland's play box again, like it was in the 90s, when when all four teams were just kind of, struggling and the indians were great this this is this is the 90s again bob they are back and I, i think the indians will rule this division for the next two or three years give themselves four chances to win a world championship and i think with this much pitching with these kind of cornerstone guys and jose ramirez and francisco lindor i think the indians will win the world series by 2021
0: yeah um i i i'm not comfortable putting uh a hard cap on it like you are i i think that they yeah it, it, over the next three years 100 percent have the best shot and probably are, have the only shot uh, of winning a, a title um, amongst the browns Cavs and indians um and, and they're right there i mean they they can they can do it this season um they, they have the talent and they are going to make the postseason to, to to make that run um so i i agree and, and the core is there i just think a lot can a lot can change in baseball and it happens really quickly and with the indians this core you know they're they're gonna deal with the first transition of it this upcoming offseason with michael brantley hitting free agency uh andrew miller and cody allen going to free agency so um they're they're gonna feel that and and you know francisco linder is going to go into arbitration this season um they're going to have to make some decisions about uh, contracts and pay, and I, I don't think it's as sure a thing as you're alluding to, but, I mean, yeah, the short-term, that they have a, a great shot of doing it. Um, I think the window can close really quickly, and I, I expect it to close quickly um, for the Indians. I, I just don't know exactly when that, that will happen. I think the only way the window closes quickly is if the central catches up, and I
1: don't have confidence in the central catching up. Before 2021, that might be a little bold, but I'm looking at Kansas City and Chicago, and those two teams aren't even playing their good prospects yet, so they are at least two years away. I'm looking at Detroit; that's an old team that that's still trying to get younger. I'm looking at um, Minnesota, a team that made the playoffs, but nobody was really confident in, it, and they they're selling at the trade deadline. I don't think these teams are going to be ready to contend with Cleveland, even if some things go wrong for the Indians. For at least two or three years. Again. I'm putting odds on it. I, I'm playing the odds. I could definitely be wrong. And you wonder what the best thing about this prediction is Bob. Is this I'm wrong about the Cleveland Indians. Being the first to win a championship. That means another Cleveland team. Won a championship. So I'm not going to be bummed out about that. So, But but just looking at, at the landscape. And looking at what this team has. I think if this team. Gets four cracks at it they're coming away with one. It could be this year, but I think by 2021, they will win a World Series.
0: I hope you're right, man, because Indians are... World Series is the one that I want. I yes. mean, the the first time I would take any title, whatever. I mean, I'm glad it was LeBron and the Cavs, sure. But World Series would mean a lot to me. Um, so I, I definitely hope you're right. I'm right there with you, man. Indians... Uh, the World Series is the one I want.
1: I mean, I'll take all of them. Look... It's not like I won't enjoy a Super Bowl and I certainly enjoyed an NBA championship, but the World Series is the one I want. That this is it's exciting to be an Indians fan. Now now to answer your second question though, Bob, long term, beyond twenty twenty one, like I think whenever this group starts to lose significant players, um, things are gonna things are gonna be rough for the Indians like they were in that, you know, two thousand nine to to twelve era. When they had to churn some some guys as they started hitting free agency, so that that will inevitably happen to a team like Cleveland. Uh, so so don't you know enjoy it while it lasts. I do think it's going to be a long window. They set themselves up nicely, but it, eventually it will close. And when it does, I do think it will swing back to the Browns. I think the Browns will then become Cleveland's best hope, just because of the level playing field. And and I have no confidence in the Cavs. Because I think the Cavs are up against bigger odds than the Indians are. The Indians, I mean, baseball isn't what it was as far as the money goes. You're seeing a lot of teams, the big spenders don't always win anymore. Uh, it's more about the draft and the farm system than it has been in the past. So I do think the Indians have better odds than the Cavs. Because I do think Chris Antonetti is, is one of the best executives in baseball. He's proven that over the last five years. Uh, he and Shapiro took a lot of heat. But but Antonetti uh, in taking over for Shapiro has done a fantastic job, and, and even before that, running all these drafts that produced uh, these these great players that we have. So th- this is this is a front office that 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 has a, a clear plan and, and has proven time and time again that they can really find some good players and turn uh, you know turn over a lot of stones that other teams can't. So. I'm still confident in the Indians long term, but I think obviously when this window closes, it's going to be a churning process, like it is for for all you know, mid small to mid market baseball teams.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, the 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 saving grace is that the the Indians have that consistency in the front office. You know, almost 20 years uh, of the same guys there, um, or proteges and and. Uh, you know, mentees taking over for their mentors and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, it goes it,
1: all the way back to John Hart, who passed it off to Shapiro. I mean, right. this this goes all the way back to Jacobs Field.
0: So, I mean, you can attribute basically the Indians, given their market size and, and the ability of that front office, they're able to build a contender once, once a decade. And so once this window closes, you know, within the next 10 years, they'll be back, I mean it'll be tough for them uh, in in those down years but I mean they they do have a, a kind of a rhythm that that you could kind of look to um but again you know with the NFL that window that uh the rebuild is is so so compressed and so much smaller I, I just think that um yeah I, I agree with you if the, if the Indians don't do it by 2021 20, or you know the next few years uh Cleveland Browns are are probably are best hope and so it's hard I to say, say those words
1: it is hard to say those words oh man yeah please win the world series please do it i mean like i want the bronze. I bob ideally we i, I won all three in my lifetime i know that's greedy but i would love for all three teams to win one championship and, and, and the hardest one is in the bag that's the good thing is that the one that that is least likely to happen has happened. So, so I think the other two, even if the Indians don't do it by twenty twenty one, I think they both have a good chance at at happening. Um, but man, it, it, the Indians have got to capitalize. I I, I have a great I I I am very confident in my prediction that the Indians will win the World Series in the next four years.
0: I hope you're right. I think I everyone it.
1: listening. I think everyone listening does, because this is a Klee talk podcast, and I assume most listeners are Cleveland fans. Though we might have some, might have some other fans trying to tune in and see what's going on. Oh, no secret he, strategies here.
0: If you don't, if you don't hope he's right, just stop listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, even if you do hope I'm right, uh, you will you will be unable to listen to Klee talk going forward, as Bob mentioned in the intro this is our last podcast and i I know i speak for both of us when we say thank you for listening and supporting this podcast all the years or three and a half years is a very long time uh 184 episodes which is 16 shy of 200 which is the year the Cavs won the nba championship so i guess it's kind of poetic that way but thank you for listening um FamilyRoadSports.com will still be up, and our, our podcast will still be archived. You can relive the good times. Uh, that that I guess is a good transition, Bob. Uh, what what is your favorite cleat talk, or what are you talking about
0: moment? Uh, there are lots for sure. Um, you know, I remember the first episode we did um, post. 2015 nfl super bowl where uh (laughs) malcolm butler picked off the seattle seahawks um, at the goal line um it's crazy that the seahawks are a shell of themselves already um over the course of this podcast they seemed destined for multiple super bowls um but for me i i have two favorite episodes and they um kind of go hand in hand um you and i went to game six of the nba finals in 2015 Watch the Warriors uh, win their first title uh, of this current run that they're on in Cleveland on home turf. And that was heartbreaking. I had to drive back to Nashville and we did an episode very shortly after. Um, and that was just really hard to record when I was so upset. You know, I, I hadn't been that depressed about a sports game and, and well, probably since LeBron James left. Um, so that you, was you, tough. you
1: were pretty depressed after that wild card game lost in 2013 though. I remember leaving the stadium with you. You you were not a happy camper.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, that, I forgot that they even went to the wild card. Nick Swisher <laughs> and all that. Um, yeah. Michael Bourne. Yeah, yeah, Michael. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so that was a tough podcast to do, and I think you and I got in like a huge argument on that one over. Anderson I believe, Vergeau, yeah, Anderson Veragio and, started a pretty big
1: argument that day.
0: Yeah. And just arguing about like how good the Warriors were relative to the Cavs and all that. Um, that was a tough one. Um, but then a year later doing the 2016 post NBA championship podcast where the Cavs had won it uh, after that amazing game seven um, just felt really good. Um, and so those were kind of two great bookends. Um, a, a lot of emotions that you and I shared with each other um great great to talk about what about you what was your favorite moment
1: well those two are fantastic but mine has always been the college football Pick'em podcast that was a what are yeah. you talking about hold over that's the the only podcast we did on Clee talk that we kind of just broke the mold of cleveland sports it was kind of a year ender we we kind of shook up the format had a little more fun uh, not that we don't have fun, but but that one is particular fun. And, and my favorite one, I think it would have been the middle one when I used the coin to pick all of the games. And I'll never forget your reaction when I flipped the coin to pick the Alabama-Ohio State semifinal. No, it wouldn't wouldn't have been that one. But it, it was one of the semifinals games. I think it was, it was maybe Clemson. I forget who it was, but it was someone that I shouldn't have been flipping a coin up for, and I flipped it. And you were just like, you are not flipping a coin over this. one. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, that that was a pretty. That that was probably one of my favorite. Just kind of organic, um, reactions is that that you know the coin really, uh, really kind of became a bigger thing than I thought it would be. And it was it was just fun because I mean you pick all those bowl games. I don't know half of the teams in it. So I just flip. I mean heck, I couldn't have done any worse. We never tallied our record from from those, Bob. We never, we never, we never found out how how, how we did. I mean, uh, we did in the big games, but not the not the small ones.
0: I think we both were above eighty percent.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I I would be stunned if we were both above eighty percent. Yeah, I, I I'd be stunned if I were over five hundred.
0: I mean, if you asked me as soon as we stopped recording, who did you pick for the first week of bowl games? I couldn't tell you a single team. I couldn't, yeah, yeah, no, that, that is funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had to re-listen to the podcast. I mean, I, I did once to, to try to find out who I picked, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. I don't want to look for all my picks on the podcast. But, yeah, we, I remember we recorded, and then a day later I asked you who you picked, and we both didn't know.
0: Yeah, I have no clue. The
1: famous Idaho Potato Bowl will be missed, but <laughs> lots of good memories here on Clee Talk. um. Hopefully you guys have just as many as we do. Uh, again, we thank you all for listening. Please continue to listen to our podcast. It'll be archived on iTunes and FamilyRoadSports dot com. And who knows what the future will bring. Uh, but for now, uh, Clee talk is no more. And, uh, we thank you for listening and as usual, go Cleveland.
0: Yeah. Uh, just thanks for everybody that, that listened. I um, would still love to hear any feedback about the show. Um, favorite memories or or whatever um thanks for listening and chris always good talking to you and and yeah go cleveland go cleveland
1: and man i love you bob
0: love you too